You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik, giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. All right, here we go on The Edge for this Thursday morning, a big show. It's a huge show and a huge weekend coming up in the city of Toronto. Of course, patios finally opening. Non-essential retail stores also opening so you can visit Winners or Golf Town, whatever you like to do and sit on the patio and watch the Euro 2020 tournament, which begins tomorrow afternoon with... Italy and Turkey, and we should welcome in our guest, Martino Puccio. You know him from The Athletic. He's the host of the State of Play podcast. I'm going to guess, Martino, that you're a Italian supporter, correct? Yeah, you are correct. My mother, <laughs> my mother is from uh, Rome. She came to New York in the 70s, so um, my grandparents obviously rooted for Italy, all my aunts and uncles, so that's kind of been a thing for a while, and ever since 2006, it was kind of hard, uh, you know, to do otherwise. Yes, I, I totally understand, and I'm sure it'll be a very momentous occasion tomorrow afternoon when your squad, Italy, takes on Turkey in Group A action. How are you feeling about this Italian team this year, Martino? Because... You know, I mean, they have the sixth best odds to win the tournament at plus 800. So clearly the odds makers feel that Italy is fielding a squad that is capable of competing for uh, for glory. Do you buy into that idea or do you think maybe this could be a letdown spot? No, I've I've kind of been on that train for a little while now. A lot of people got turned off by them not making the World Cup and, you know, just that whole thing was a, was a massive issue. But it's a completely different team, different manager, so you can't really go with that. They were even in plus 1,100 range uh, in the fall. So they've been rising up slowly. They haven't lost since 2018. Um, it's, the streak is almost at 27 matches now unbeaten across all competitions, including friendlies and such like that. So, I mean, the midfield is as good as it's been in over a decade. The defense is probably its weakest point, which is pretty funny because they're known for having the better defense uh, than any country in the world. So mm. that's kind of a weak point. Their wingers are a strength, and their striker is one of the more consistent strikers in Europe, even though he's a little shaky when it comes to playing for the national team. But he's slowly turning it up and at the right time. Martino Puccio is our guest from The Athletic and the host of the State of Play podcast. My name is Aaron Karolnik, and welcome into The Edge. And so the tournament as a whole, Euro 2020, we're calling it Euro 2020 because, I don't know, branding, I guess. They probably had a bunch of T-shirts from last year that went unsold. They, they needed to uh, unload some inventory in 2021. But this tournament's very unique in that it will be played in 11 cities throughout Europe. And explain to me exactly how that's going to work, Martino, and if there's someone or some team, I should say, that could benefit from the way that this tournament's being laid out as far as venues go. Yeah, so um, it's definitely a unique one. This is the first time they've had this sort of format where it's expanding across the 11 cities. We didn't even think at one point we were going to get this due to COVID and certain restrictions in, in other countries. So, so it was kind of up in the air until everything was solidified um, recently. So some of the teams that could be benefiting from it are going to be in the group stage. So Italy is going to be playing all their games in Rome. They haven't lost in Italy in a few years so that's obviously uh, something towards their advantage. Also, with England, they're playing their games at Wembley Stadium. This is kind of the same trend where 
teams that have placed well in their qualifiers are going to be playing in cities that are in close proximity to them or within their country. There's obviously cities like Azerbaijan, well, countries like Azerbaijan that are going to be hosting some matches. So some teams will be playing in there, like Switzerland versus Wales, I believe is one of those matches that will be in there. It's kind of it's weird to gauge a match like that. So we just kind of go off of who's in closer proximity in terms of the country. But, again, it's really difficult to go off of. Um, but I think the teams like Italy and England that are going to be playing in their cities, and the same with Spain, they're going to be in Seville or Sevilla, whatever you like to go with. Um, so, again, I think that's going to be massively beneficial for those uh, countries as well. So that'll be something to look towards. Martino, the group of death, Group F, is loaded, right? France, Germany, Portugal, three of the top, let's call them, what, six or seven teams in this tournament. How do you think that group plays out? Because France is what, plus 125 to win the group, followed by Germany at plus 135, followed by Portugal at plus 350. And we know Portugal's been a powerhouse forever. And we should mention, we'll give a little nod to Hungary at plus 3,300 if you like flushing your money down the toilet. So with, the, with those three powerhouses, powerhouse teams how do you think this group plays out yeah see this is a real difficult one france is one of the more talented teams that have come through in recent years i would say they're the most talented you know stretch of teams since those dominant spain teams that won three consecutive international tournaments for me the thing with spain uh, with france is this you don't want to bet against them. It's like betting against, you know, the great Yankees teams. Or Ooh. I know you guys are obviously big on hockey up there. Like so, the Leafs, the Toronto Maple yeah, Leafs. Yeah, I, know, I, I apologize to all Leafs fans. I know you guys had a tough <laughs> series against the Canadians. I, I, I educated myself on that a little bit, even though I'm a Devils fan. It's rough. Um, but, yeah, listen, this is just one of those teams that if you bet against them and they end up winning, you want to kick yourself in the behind because you're just – you're like, that was the most obvious play to make, is to bet on the team that is the clear favorite. So, again, if you want to go by that logic and ideology, you, you're more than welcome to do so. I think Portugal falling back there is really just a testament to the way they were in qualifiers. They didn't finish the top of their group. That's why they're in the group of death, because they had a poor seating for this. And, you know, they've been kind of stagnant at times when you watch them play. They're, they're not really as dominant as you like. But the overall collective talent within the team is as good as any of these teams in this group, um, except for France. You know, France is just a little bit of a tier above. But they have more than enough talent to do it. This is a better side than the one that won in 2016. So it's not really something terrible that you could look at when you want them to win the group. In the, in the 300s for that, I, I don't think the quality is a massive drop-off behind Germany and France. Um, and Hungary, as you mentioned, like you're, you're right. It's just money down the toilet at that point. But again, you never know. We've seen crazier things, I guess. Yeah, and Budapest is an amazing city. If you haven't been, I would highly recommend. Uh, when you're able to, I would visit uh, that city in a heartbeat. An incredible, incredible place. Uh, let's move our attention to Group D. And we talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, a team with great expectations and consistent failure. I think the English squad would also apply in that regard as well. Heavy favorites to win Group D, followed by Croatia, the Czech Republic, and Scotland. Do you believe in England, who have the second best odds to win the tournament? Do you believe in England's squad this year? Perhaps this is the year they're finally able to break through. So I really like this squad in comparison to recent years, but no. 
I never understood the odds for them. <laughs> okay. I think they were absolutely too high. And if you look at a couple of things with them, I think it's pretty interesting. So we just mentioned the group of death. If England win this group in the, fir- in the next round, in the knockout round of, round of 16, they're going to be facing the second-place team from the group of death. So they could either face off against France, Germany, or Portugal, right? I, again, we're not going to mention Hungary. So yes. that's a potentially scary matchup for them, right? And there's a couple of odds out there if you go to certain sites where you could have England getting knocked out in the round of uh, 16 for plus 160. Or you could go with some of the other teams that could potentially finish second in their group with Germany at plus 150. Portugal would be plus 200 to lose in that next round. For me, I never understood why those odds were so high. And then when the brackets finally came out and you can see the way it unfolds, then you don't really love it. And on top of it, they don't have a great history within this tournament. They have never actually won the first ever match of this tournament throughout their history. So every single time they play, they lose, they draw, or sometimes they haven't even qualified for the tournament. They're just really... I guess you want to call them the Toronto Maple Leafs of this. I mean, um, <laughs> we could go with the Atlanta Braves, too. The Atlanta okay. Braves used to win their division all the time and did nothing in the playoffs outside Very of true. 1995. So, so to ease up on the hearts of Toronto sports fans, I, I could give you that because I'm also a Mets fan, so I hate the Braves, so it works. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, England is just really, you know, people just look at them, you know, whether they're in the States, I'm not really too sure, up, the, up north in Canada, the public really likes to bet, oh, England created the sport. They have the best league in the world. I'm sure they're really good. They have Harry Kane and all these players. Let's bet on them. That's kind of the angle I get and sense as to why this number has been so high for so long. Because they were even ahead of France at one point for, for the longest time until, I guess, people started placing their bets and taking it more seriously because, obviously, the tournament was delayed. So, again, I, I think... Um, England there, it doesn't make sense to me. I like a lot of teams below them. Okay, Martino, let's look at the overall odds to win the tournament. So you have France listed at the favorite, as the favorite at plus 450. Then you have England. Then you have Belgium, a team we haven't really discussed. And I definitely want to talk about Belgium because I'm a big fan of Lukaku and De Bruyne. And my technical producer, Christy Averro, nodding his head and smiling as I say that. <laughs> Spain, Germany, Portugal, and Italy follow. Beyond those teams, is there anyone a little bit further down the board, maybe Netherlands, Denmark, Croatia, that perhaps could make a deep run, even win the tournament, and provide real value for betters? So the Netherlands are are a great defensive side. They're going to have two of the top defensive center backs in the tournament, even without Virgil van Dijk, who is considered amongst a lot of people the best center back in the world when healthy. But he's going to be missing this tournament. But De Ligt and De Vrij are two players that are more than capable of, of shutting out any team within this tournament. The issue is the scoring. Their best striker is not even a striker in Memphis Depay. He's more of a naturalized left winger. He's been playing more as a striker with Lyon in recent years, but he's going to be a free agent this summer, so we have no idea where he's going to end up. So it's just tough to kind of get a gauge of, okay, how many goals are they going to be scoring? And you don't necessarily need to score a lot. That's what Portugal did last tournament. They basically just went through a bunch of 1-1 draws. They went to penalties. They advanced, or they won one nothing, stuff like that. You don't necessarily need that scoring. So... 
They also don't have Cristiano Ronaldo. That's just a little bit of a difference. Denmark is another team. Obviously, they're very respectable. They don't have a difficult group, so they should have a good chance of you know, advancing to the next round, even though it's going to be tougher than someone would expect with Russia, Finland, and obviously Belgium, who your producers love. Um, so for me, I think the underrated one, out of all this is Turkey at plus 5,000. They are one of the younger teams within this tournament. They are solid on all three facets of the game with the defense, with the midfield, and the attack. Burek Yilmaz is just this ageless wonder. He's aging like fine wine. Hell, just call him Yarmir Yager at this point. Not as good as Yager in his prime. I'll give you that. But, <laughs> but, um, but at the same time, he just keeps on producing and scoring, and they haven't been in this tournament in a little bit. They want to come out guns blazing. They have a respectable group that they can advance because, you remember, three teams within the groups advance, and the top four third-place teams will advance the knockout stages. So they're more than capable of that. Everyone has been playing in a condensed schedule in Europe because there are so many competitions that they wanted to get in from last season to recoup some of that TV money. Turkey's one of those younger sides. So the deeper we get into this tournament, the more noise that they could make. So I think Turkey at plus 5,000 with the quality that they have, it's, it's not an awful bet, and you just let it ride the whole time. Well, and, and even to win the group. I know Italy is in the group, and the game tomorrow, which kicks off the tournament, you can hear it here on TSN 1050. That could be a very competitive game, and what an awesome way it would be to kick off the tournament with an upset. I know it would be painful for you, Martino, but for the average person watching and perhaps someone who backs Turkey, like as you suggested, at plus 5,000, could be very profitable. So let's talk about the golden boot odds, and that is the top goal scorer in the tournament. Harry Kane, who we talked about earlier, is the favorite alongside Lukaku. Mbappe, Ronaldo, it goes down the list. A number of Frenchmen are listed in the top of the board. Do you think there's any value, in, and I think you could probably argue that Lewandowski with Poland is the best striker in the tournament. He had the most goals throughout the league season, but he's at plus 2,500. Is he going to get enough games with Poland to really justify a wager, or would you look at someone a little higher up who's guaranteed to play more games? Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's just the matches played with some of these players. For me, with the French players, Benzema, Griezmann, Mbappe, it's difficult to place one of them simply because the goals can go to any of these players. So it, that's the difficult part. They have to top it. So if I were to look towards a France player for top scorer, I think I would just actually look towards the team itself instead of the overall tournament. Harry Kane, similar to what you mentioned with Lewandowski, is I just mentioned how they could play the second-place team of the group of death. They could be out within that first round. He would have to have an incredible group stage, and everyone else just gets eliminated early for him to win this. So for him there, as great of a striker as he is, there is some risk involved with that. So at plus 600, I think Lukaku holds more value with that. Um, the group stage defenses that they're going to be facing off against, Denmark's their strongest one. Um, he hasn't been better. He's at his absolute peak right now after his great season with Inter Milan where he, he was the vocal point of them winning their first title in a decade. So that's someone I would look at within this. Memphis Depay, as I mentioned, plus 1,600. I just don't know how many goals he's going to be scoring. I'm confident that he would be the top goal scorer for the Netherlands. Alvaro Morata, too. He's just not someone I love either. Chiro Immobile, again, you know, I think he is just capable of 
great things within this tournament. He's going to get the service for it. He's going to get pretty good matchups, especially Wales and Turkey. They have good defenses, but they're definitely susceptible to allowing a lot of goals against them. So, again, I think someone like that would be really interesting to go after. There just really isn't that much. I think Diego Jota was one of them that I mentioned uh, when I went on Pat Mayo's podcast, was saying, okay, if Cristiano Ronaldo is having a rough time scoring, this guy Diego Jota was absolutely fantastic. Diogo Jota, excuse me. Sorry for all the Portuguese contingent that are listening. Um, <laughs> at plus 4,000, I mean, this guy is capable of scoring so many goals. He went right off to Liverpool, and he was one of their best scorers all season long. I think it's a great long shot, especially that he's going to be the main guy up top, and Ronaldo might be a little bit more out wide. So I think that would be an interesting long shot, especially at Ronaldo's age. You know, playing a lot of games like that, he might get tired in some of these matches, and they're playing a real tough group. So I, I wouldn't really love going with any of the Portuguese players just because it's really difficult with their group, and they're going to be running into some tough defenses. But again, you never know. Ronaldo's one of the better players of all time. Um, and other than that, I, it's, it's really difficult to go off too many. I think Lukaku is probably the safest one out of all the top uh, players on the board here. He is Martino Puccio. You can follow him on Twitter at Martino Puccio. Make sure to check out his work in The Athletic and check out the host. He is the host of the State of Play podcast as well. Martino, thanks for doing this, my man. Best of luck tomorrow afternoon against Turkey because as uh, the way you made it sound, Italy could struggle a little bit against the Turkish side tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, they could, they could, but uh, but I have more confidence in this Italian side. A little underestimated uh, compared to uh, other of the top countries, which was exactly what happened when they went on to win the World Cup in 2006 and when they went to the final in 2012. So, so I'll take it for now. All right, Martino. Thanks for doing this, my man. Good luck. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Martino Puccio. And what a handle. Martino Puccio. That is a beautiful name. That is artistry in name form. And uh, I can't wait for the Euros. Full admittance here. I knew nothing about the Euros heading into probably a couple days ago. But I have been listening to podcasts. I've been reading and educating myself with great uh, information from guys like Martino Puccio, amongst others. And I'm ready. And I am pumped for tomorrow afternoon. I may even roll over to Little Italy and join uh, the Italian contingent watching some games on some patios, although I imagine it'll be very, very busy uh, in that part of Toronto. Uh, coming up next, Andy McNeil from VEASAN is going to join us. A huge game tonight in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's Colorado and it's Vegas. And I'm going to tell you why, alongside Andy, Montreal should be cheering for Vegas to close out Colorado tonight. That's next on The Edge. You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. All right, we're back here on The Edge. It's uh, Thursday morning around 10.23. And I'm thrilled to welcome back to the show Andy McNeil, a hockey analyst for... Oof, I'm going to try that again. A hockey analyst for VEASAN. VEASAN is the first 24-7 broadcast network dedicated exclusively to sports betting make sure to follow andy on twitter at digital gambler what's going on andy from the beautiful province of alberta how are you this morning i'm doing great how about you aaron 
I'm fantastic. Thank you. I'm getting jacked up for the Euros, which we were talking about with our previous guest in the previous segment, but I'm also super pumped for tonight. I mean, Game 6, Vegas and Colorado, the Golden Knights, slight favorites tonight to close out the series. And Andy, i got to read you this headline from the Denver Post this morning. I could hardly believe it's a real thing. From Mark Kisla. Here it is. Here it goes. Avs choking away playoff series against Vegas and biggest gag artist is Nathan McKinnon. Avs skate and talk like champs, but when going gets tough in NHL postseason, they play like chumps. Wow, and I thought the media was hard on Matthews and Marner here in Toronto. Clearly in Denver, Colorado, it is the most penal of, of all hockey media. Do you believe in the Avs and their ability to bounce back after losing three games in a row, Andy? Well, first of all, I, I also heard uh, a Boston sports reporter uh, make a comment uh, about Patrice Bergeron and how, hey, he's been around the Bruins for a long time, but what's he got? One Stanley Cup? Big deal, not a superstar. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's a very, um, you know, it's a very reactionary business. Um, as far as Nathan McKinnon, I, I, I don't totally disagree. I've been watching Nathan McKinnon for um, quite a few years. He's a fantastic player, one of the best in the game. Uh, he does sulk a little bit, though, uh, you know, if you watch closely enough when the going gets tough. So I, I could see why people might, you know, jump on him a little bit. Uh, it, it's uh, a little unwarranted, though, considering he's the guy that, that drives the bus more often than not. Um, but, yeah, the Avalanche have, have folded quite a bit. I mean, I've been I, – I don't get surprised very often, but I've been rather surprised at, at the way that, that Vegas has taken over this series. Um, and, and, you know, from a gambling perspective, uh, I went pretty hard on, on the Vegas Golden Knights in games one and game two um, at, the, at those big prices, plus 165, plus 170. Um, lost both of those games. Uh, wasn't really, you know, keen on, on, on the big adjustment when Vegas returned home for games three and four. Obviously, they got the win, um, but, but I, would, I was, you know, looking for a better price. And, and you know, to be honest, I think the adjustment here is, is, is you know, pretty big. Uh, is there value betting on the, the Colorado Avalanche? I'm not so sure at this point. I, I think there was. Um, when the price opened around plus 130, but it's been it's been bet down at, at most places, um, plus 135 with Vegas coming back on the other side as a minus one or plus 115. Sorry, with Vegas coming back on the other side as a a minus 135 favorite. And and if you take away the the bookmakers commission, the vigorous, the juice, uh, that 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 equates to a, a fair line of minus 124 in favor of the Vegas Golden Knights, which implies that they'll win the game about 55% of the time. So, yeah, a slight favorite, um, but they were a home underdog just a, a couple of games ago. Um, so, you know, a, a bit of an overreaction, uh, maybe a, a great chance to, to buy the buy low on, on this Avalanche team. Um, I guess the, the biggest question for, for handicappers, um, obviously the Golden Knights have uh, a significant edge when playing in the Fortress. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but how much of that is going to be uh, how much of the, the ads desperation level tonight is, is going to, uh, to, to cut into that? Um, I guess that's, that's the tough thing to figure out. 
Well, it's amazing that you think about this very time last week on this very show. Nathan, McKin- Nathan McKinnon was plus 135 to win the Conn Smythe Trophy. Now he's a plus 650, and his team on the precipice of being eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, that being said, if you do believe in Colorado and their ability to come back and win this series, you can get bet them at plus 270 to, I guess, to win the next two games in advance uh, to play um, the. Uh, New York Islanders. No, the Islanders would play. I, I think that's, that's okay. See, I'm seeing plus 245 at some shops, okay. which I don't think is uh, is very uh, fair. I, I make the price, um, the odds uh, that the Avalanche will come back and win the series um, closer to plus 255. So a little bit of value on, on plus 270. I guess that would be uh, one way to play it. If, if, Like you said, you believe in this Avalanche team and yeah. that they can get the job done. And let me correct myself. The winner of Vegas and Colorado will play the Montreal Canadiens. Meanwhile, the Islanders, who advanced last night past the Boston Bruins, will be playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I'm seeing odds just coming out this morning that have Tampa as minus 300 favorites to beat the Islanders. What does your model say about that number, Andy? Uh, yeah, so I've got the, the Tampa Bay Lightning minus 300. Um, I don't know what the, the, the full price is, but that implies about a 75% chance that the Tampa Bay Lightning will win. And, and I think that that's pretty appropriately. I've, I've actually, uh, or that's priced pretty appropriately. I've actually got their chances closer to 79%. I'm seeing um, some other prices around uh, at, in the minus 225 range, um, you know, which implies about a 69% chance. So definitely some, some value there. Um, I'm, I'm also seeing a, a game line price for game number one around minus 180. I don't know what it is across the board because this is just opening up uh, at most shops given that the game is starting Saturday. Um, but I, I do think there's a little bit of value in, in, in betting the Tampa Bay Lightning to win the series. Uh, do people want to lay $3 to win one? Probably not. Um, you know, there, there, there are going to be opportunities to bet the, the Lightning on a game-to-game basis. Uh, like I said, minus 180. If you think they get it done um, as often as I do in, in game number one, then that's probably going to be your best opportunity because you'll see, um, you know, if you think you've got an edge, it's best to bet it because uh, the market will react and, and prices, um, you know, will 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 change throughout the series. So, um, you know, if, if you're right and, and the Tampa Bay Lightning are as good as, or if I'm right and the Tampa Bay Lightning are as good as, as I, I think they are compared to the Islanders, then uh, you should see a, a price increase in, in game two, which will make it a little bit harder of a pill to swallow. Um, but, no, I, I, I don't think a whole lot of this Islanders team. Um, I, I mean, I, I think the Tampa Bay Lightning have, have faced some pretty fierce competition thus far and, and have basically cruised through the playoffs. Uh, they're, they're very familiar with this Islanders team, um, you know, but, Hey, it's the NHL, and 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 luck can can really drive a a team to a series victory. Andy McNeil is our guest. He's a hockey analyst for Veasan. Follow him on Twitter at Digital Gambler. Andy, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back. I bet Andre Vasilevsky to win the Conn Smythe before the beginning of round two at plus twenty five hundred this morning. Plus 225. No big deal. Well done, Aaron. I guess when you make as many terrible wagers as I do, eventually you're (laughs) going to make a good one, right? That's the way I look at it. On the subject of making terrible wagers, I've been betting against the Montreal Canadiens throughout this postseason. Bet on the Leafs to beat the Canadiens. Bet on the Jets to beat the Canadiens. What do you think the price is? Yeah, exactly. What do you think the price will be? Let's just say if it's Vegas or it's Colorado who advance, how heavy favorites Will they be over the Habs in the semifinals? All right. So 
I still think there's a, a bit of contrast as far as, you know, how the, the Vegas Golden Knights play versus how the Colorado Avalanche play. Uh, and I actually think that the, the Canadians would match up better against the Vegas Golden Knights. I think that's a series, um, and, and any series, uh, Carey Price is capable of, of stealing. But that's a series I think he's especially uh, capable of stealing. Um, so if, if they are to play the Vegas Golden Knights, I've got Vegas winning 74% of the time, uh, an average of, of 5.6 games, uh, or 5.6 games on average. Um, so don't expect a sweep. That's, that's another thing. I mean, there's only been 30 sweeps uh, since 2006. There hasn't been a sweep in the, the Stanley Cup final since 1998. There's only been four, um, you know, in, in, in the semifinals. Uh, every year, teams defy the odds. They go deeper than we expect them to, and rarely do they ever get swept. So um, I would expect the Bank's Golden Knights, a fair price on that series, to be around minus 285. Will that be the series price? I'm not sure. Um, do I think that the, the, the Canadians could be better than three to one here uh, by the time a, a line is, is released for this series? Sure. That, that's a possibility. So, I mean, there's a chance that, that I could see some betting value on Montreal. Now, if they play the Colorado avalanche, I've got the abs winning a series against the Canadians about 80% of the time. Uh, they'll win in, in 5.4 games uh, on average. And, uh, and, and um, sorry, uh, minus four hundred would be okay. uh, uh, you know a, a you know a fair price for for what? a series uh, between the Avalanche and the Canadians. So, I mean, it's I still but back to the sweep. I know a lot of people are going to be picking that sweep if if if, if that's the case. Um, I have a sweep happening against Vegas or uh, you know, Vegas sweeping the Canadians uh, about thirteen and a half percent of the time. Uh, and the Avalanche sweeping the Canadians about 17% of the time. Um, you'd, you'd have to be a, a minus 330 favorite in every game uh, for um, you know a sweep to be the most likely outcome of a series, and we, we rarely see that, if ever. Well, Andy, I can tell you, in the last six games, Montreal has played against the Vegas Golden Knights. The Canadians have won five of those six games. What does that stat mean? Probably nothing, but still, it's worth putting away and remembering when they are huge underdogs against the Golden Knights, presumably, assuming Vegas can close this out tonight and Colorado does not come back and uh, make it uh, an unbelievable uh, turn of events for the Avalanche. They have the skill to do so, and I guess we'll watch tonight and see if they can. Uh, Andy, thank you as always for doing this, my friend. Make sure to follow Andy at Digital Gambler for all his picks and great info. Thanks, man. Have a good day, guys. Good luck. All right, Andy McNeil from Vison, and man, I'm pumped for that game tonight. And there's so much good sports on, and so little time in the day. And I got to play golf. Like <laughs> it's, it's pretty important. So then you go play the golf, and then you you watch the hockey, and you watch the basketball. And we're gonna talk some hoops with Jason Logan from Covers. Uh, he is their managing editor, and he is the man who very intricately knows. Bill C218, which has been at the forefront of anyone who's interested in betting in our country, because what it would do is legalize single event wagering. Currently, that is illegal in the country of Canada, obviously the province of Ontario as well. What would that bill passing, getting the royal assent, mean for gambling in our country? We'll talk to Jason from Covers next. Back 
back here on The Edge. I am Aaron Karolnik, and what a beautiful day it is outside in the city of Toronto, staring out my window, looking at the CN Tower. Oh, it's not accompanied by the Montreal Canadiens colors today. Thank you, John Tory. I appreciate that one. Well, I mean, you think about all the great sports that are going on, and between the Euro Tournament, which starts tomorrow, definitely the NBA and the NHL playoffs, it would be great if the people of Canada could legally wager on an individual event as opposed to having to parlay them, significantly reducing their odds of winning, and ultimately making it more difficult to place a wager. Well, it sounds like we're getting closer to that being a reality with Bill C-218 rolling through the Canadian Senate, and I'm far from a political expert, but our man... With the information is coming up on the show right now. He is Jason Logan, the managing editor and senior industry analyst at Covers.com, one of my go-to destinations when researching betting odds and information. Let's welcome him to the show now. What's up, Jason? Oh, not too much, not too much. It is an exciting time for sports betting, and uh, looking forward to those morning and early afternoon Euro games to bet on. I love some midday action. I I could not agree more. You are speaking my language right now. So let's talk about Bill C-218, and I'm probably the last guy on earth who has any interest in the Canadian Senate or the legislation of bills or the royal assent, except for this instance. It sounds like there's a lot of progress being made when it comes to the legalization of single-event wagering in our country. Can you give us the latest? Yeah, so it is is almost to the finish line here in terms of, of getting the royal assent, getting that official stated, uh, that stamp of approval, and then becoming single-game wagering as something that, that can be offered legally in Canada. Um, so it was reviewed last week. It passed without any changes in the Senate, uh, the Banking, Trade, and Commerce Committee. Um, and now it's back here for one more reading before it can get that royal assent and become law. Um, the calendar right now goes to July 25th for the Senate. So hopefully it gets a reading and a vote before then because then they adjourn for the summer and they don't come back until September. Um, oh, must be right nice. now it's t- yeah, yeah, it must be <laughs> nice to have those summers off. Uh, the, but the, you know, there, there hasn't been any amendments to it, which is a good thing right now. Um, but the, you know, it, should they have another amendment to it, what actually has to happen is it has to go all the way back to the house, has another reading, has another vote, comes back to the Senate and they do the whole thing over again. And not only are you trying to get this in before the summer session, because it would be great to have this set up for the fall before NFL kicks off, but the ticking clock here is really the rumblings of an election, which would kill C-218 entirely if it doesn't get passed in the summer break. So that's where we're at right now in terms of, you know, fingers crossed it's going to help. But this is just step one in terms of of what is going to kind of shake out as sports betting in Canada, because it could look very, very different from province to province. And, and that's what I wanted to ask you, Jason. Jason Logan from Covers.com is our guest here on The Edge. Let's work under the assumption that this bill is passed. It's passed in a timely manner. Let's call it the next six, eight weeks. What would that mean? What would that represent to the average Canadian who likes to place a wager, whether it be legally now with Proline or illegally with their local bookmaker or an <laughs> offshore sports book? What would this legislation offer to the average Canadian? Well, I think that's going to be depending on where you live. Um, much like the United States, they rolled it out. It was states' right. If you were a state that wanted single-game wagering, you could do it. The same way they're rolling this out. If you're a province that wants to do single-game wagering, you can do it. And those provinces will likely be able to set their own tax rate on these sort of things. 
And that's the kind of thing that's going to start trickling down to the sports better because the operator is going to have to pay a certain percentage of their wind, their hold, not the overall handle, um, to the province. And in places like Nevada, where the state tax is, is under 7%, and you have places like Colorado, Illinois, D.C., all tax rates under 10% or lower, you're seeing, you know, standard flat rates for sports betting. So if you want to bet, um, you know, on the Chiefs-Raiders game, the spread's going to be 7, and the juice on that is going to be minus 110 flat rate, you know, barring some adjustments from the sports book. But that's pretty much what you're going to get. But then you have states like Pennsylvania that has a tax rate of 34%, Rhode Island, 51%, New York, calling for 50 to 55% of its proposed mobile sports betting hold to be taxed. And what that means that in order for it to be kind of worthwhile for the operator, and we could have various operators in Canada, you know, places like these big operators, DraftKings, FanDuel, uh, you know, Bet365, all of these things, in order for it to be profitable in those places with super high tax rates, they have to make up that money in the handle. So the standard minus 110 becomes minus 130. So you have to risk a buck thirty to win a dollar rather than a dollar ten, you know. And and for the average guy, they don't care about that, you know. They just want to, you know, for the for yeah. the standard guy, he just wants to get down action. And whether it's an extra twenty cents to win a dollar, they don't care. But the regular customers, uh, you know, it's what you want in this. You want a regular customer base. Those are the guys where it's going to add up over time. And then any of the big betters that are betting, you know, you know, dimes, a thousand bucks or more, you know. That's that's going to add up over over a short period of time, and if you don't stay competitive um, within the sports betting market, you're going to continue to lose people to online operators, and you're going to continue to lose people to offshore operators and backdoor bookies and paperhead uh, shops and stuff like that. Because if your product is not up to par and not comparable, then it's it's you know they're going to get uh, they're going to miss out on the market here. It's such an interesting thing, Jason. I know with covers, your site, you guys cover it extensively. You think about the province of Ontario, and actually, let's even look at a state like like Colorado, where I believe Mm -hmm. they have 20 operators who are legislated to operate in that state. So you have 20 different companies who have come in and try to stake their claim to this business and event some are going to fail inevitably simply not going to be able to generate enough capital in order to continue in that state and as a whole it's such a, a fascinating situation here in canada simply because we know it's a massive addressable market we know that what's the number 14 or 15 billion dollars a year is mm-hmm. is is bet illegally so the government clearly that, wants a cut that's but, an estimation that's an yeah, estimation exactly. they don't know what's going out the door here Exactly. So it, it's a really interesting situation. I would encourage our audience to uh, keep up with Covers.com for all the latest on the bill. Let's talk about tonight in the NBA. And I was I woke up this morning. I'm like, all right, wow, all right, we got the Bucks and the Nets game three. I'm sure the Nets are just heavy favorites over the Bucks, considering they absolutely destroyed them in game two. I think they won by 39 points, but it's actually Milwaukee minus three and a half points in game three tonight. Explain this one to me, Jason, because I'm confused. <laughs> uh, I'll explain it by saying I took Brooklyn in the points already. So, um, <laughs> because I just, I mean, what have we seen from Milwaukee that would warrant them being no, this big yeah, a favorite no at home? Outside of just being at home, and when you have a team like Brooklyn, it doesn't matter where you're playing. They can play on the moon, and, they, and, they, and they're going to beat your ass. But, I mean, just look at the, the, to put the odds into perspective here, we had the Nets were three-and-a-half-point favorites in game one. And they lose James Harden a minute into that game. And they open minus two for game two. So the books are essentially saying, like, this team, on this team, 
a former MVP and scoring champ is worth one and a half points to the That's spread. That's crazy. Now, crazy. the betting public, they, they ran at the other way, and they took it to Brooklyn plus two so, for that last game. But the odds makers, they really only moved off the action. They kind of made draw a line in the sand and said, listen, this team is special because you can lose a guy like James Harden, and it doesn't, doesn't make a ripple in the pond. Uh, you know, he, and he, we saw it in game two. They came out, got any shot they wanted. Durant and, and Irving took over. Um, but that's, that's the Nets. Like, they smoked them. They covered the spread by 41 points, which was, I believe, on the year was the second biggest ATS margin for an underdog. Like, they just came out and waxed Milwaukee. And now you've got Brooklyn catching three and a half on the road. And the Bucks' offense is going to get what it gets what it, whatever it wants really. I mean, they, you look at the way that they come down. They push tempo in transition. They put you on your heels. If they don't get a look there, then they work the ball around in, in, in ball movement and stretch your defense and find Joe Harris for an open three. And then when the shot clock gets down to like ten or eight seconds, they hand off to Durant or Irving. They go ISO and they get whatever shot they want. So I mean, I I really don't get this. Now this this game does bring up one of my favorite all-time betting trends that I'm not a huge betting okay. trend guy, but this one, this one does have teeth, or at least it used to have teeth before the bookies got wise to it. So it's the 0-2 first half trend is what I call it. And you have NBA teams down 0-2 in a series coming back home to play game three. So since 2007, against the first half spread, those teams in that situation are 73-42 and 8 ATS. They've covered 63% wow. of the time long-term. And it makes sense. Like, there's, there's a nice narrative to this trend, which is why I like it, because it is a desperate team coming back home, playing in front of home fans, wanting to at least show up for the first 24 minutes. And then sometimes you can get a team that's 0-2, and they're a little bit of fat and happy knowing that, you know, we've, we've at least got the 0-2 edge here. And we uh, remember recently, and we, we remember when the Toronto Raptors, Jason, were down 0-2 to the Milwaukee Bucks. They come back in Game 3. I guess they won in overtime, but that was the situation where, yeah, that trend would have applied because I, I do believe that Toronto was leading after the first half. That's a that's a good trend. I love the trends. I'm probably a little bit too partial to the trends. I use, <laughs> I use them as uh, facts more so than as just information yeah. I should use to, uh, to relate. Quickly, I want to get your thoughts on the odds to win the NBA title outright. Brooklyn is the heavy favorite. They're plus 120, and no one really has any idea if James Harden's coming back, if at all. And then you have Utah, Phoenix, Philly, the Clippers, Milwaukee's at plus 1,500, but I think a lot of people are writing them off. Do you see any value beyond just back in the nets? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's tough to say, do you see any value at the futures market where you have, what, eight teams left in there? I'm not a huge yeah. futures fan. Okay. Um, <laughs> mainly because I don't like to tie my money up for that long. But Smart, uh, smart. But, but, I mean, there, there is value out there. I mean, look at a team like Atlanta right now. Um, they're kind of made for the playoffs because they're so deep and they're not dependent on one main thing. Like, if you look at their offense, um, they're not like Washington that has to push tempo. When they play a team like Philadelphia where they slow it down and they score and force you to inbound on every offensive possession and you just can't get going, Atlanta can play a half-court set, they can play in transition, and then they have a guy like Trey Young who is that default setting when, when crap hits the fan, they can, they can hand off to him and he can get his shot. So I think Atlanta is, uh, is, a, is a kind of a, a live value team at this point. I think a lot of people, too, still undervaluing the, the Phoenix Suns, who I'm seeing around 6-1 to one right now, which isn't too bad. Um, but it is tough to knock Brooklyn, especially if James Harden comes back in any sort of capacity. Um, yeah, and he's, you, you and do he's imagine. been such a great distributor for that team too. Oh. He's really taken on the the point guard role, and then you know you have an untethered Kyrie Irving who is just incredible. 
Yeah, and you, you do imagine they'll get Harden back at some point. I mean, he did miss a month with the hamstring injury when it first uh, sprung up during the regular season. I don't know if it's as severe as it was then, but if Harden comes back, man, I, I just can't see anybody in the playoffs being able to compete with those guys. The, the offense is just far too potent for anybody to to keep up with. Uh, Jason, yeah. I was a, it was great to have you on the show. You are the managing editor and senior industry analyst at Covers.com. And uh, we look forward to having you back on again in the future. Thanks for the time, my man. Oh, absolutely. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, anytime. All right. That is Jason Logan from Covers. And I go to Covers every morning because that is where I get a lot of my information, a lot of good gambling stuff uh, from our friends at Covers, including the latest AL MVP odds, which features a certain Toronto Blue Jay very high up the list. I'll tell you who it is next. You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik, giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Wrapping things up on The Edge. Lots coming up on TSN 1050 throughout the day. Of course, Leafs lunch coming up. Matthew Cause and the boys on Overdrive. And tomorrow afternoon, just after 2.30, it's Italy and Turkey to kick off the Euros. We have all of your Euro coverage on TSN 1050 throughout the tournament until July 11th when it wraps up. That'll be awesome for us because that is such a fun tournament to listen to and to watch on TSN as well. I mentioned before the break the Toronto Blue Jays and the American League MVP odds. And if you're looking for a trivia question, the two Blue Jays to ever win American League MVP, Josh Donaldson in 2015 and George Bell in 1987. And there very well could be a third this year. If you look at the odds, Shohei Otani is the favorite to win American League MVP at plus 110, but Vladdy Jr., right behind him at plus 140, and rightfully so. He has been absolutely exceptional throughout this season and deserves all the praise that he's been getting. He has been a one-man machine for the Blue Jays all year, and I know Otani has that unique aspect of being a quality pitcher in addition to just mashing the ball as well, but Vladdy's hitting numbers... If you look at the peripherals, superior to Shohei's, you're talking about the on-base percentage, the slugging percentage, all that good stuff. But the Shohei, the love for Shohei is absolutely warranted. But if Vladdy Jr. can propel the Blue Jays back to the playoffs and put him in solid standing in the American League East, I think that could go a long way towards his MVP candidacy, which would put him in line for a massive, massive contract. And... Um, he has certainly been deserving of that, at least to this point, over the course of this season. Thanks to all of our guests who appeared on the show uh, this afternoon, I guess this morning, Martino Puccio from The Athletic, of course, Andy McNeil from VEASAN, and Jason Logan from Covers.com. Thanks to our audience for being with us, and thanks to 20 Fingers Christy Vera behind the glass. I'm Aaron Karolnik. We are off next week due to Euros, but we'll be back a week after. I'm sure we'll be talking a lot of Euros and probably baking down a Stanley Cup final. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you in a couple weeks.